Good morning, everybody. How are we doing today? Good to see you. My name is Paul. I'm one of the pastors. I get the joy of wrapping up our series on knowing the heart of God today. Um, I don't want to make any of the teachers mad. I'm married to a teacher, so I want to say that first before I say this. But do you ever feel like school didn't really prepare you for everything? I don't think that would make teachers upset, right? That's not what they're trying to accomplish. School's not really trying to prepare you for everything. But in preparing myself to be a pastor, I went to seminary, right? And so you go to seminary and you think, they're going to prepare me. I'm going to be ready. I'm going to know everything I need to know to be a pastor. And I want to just be honest with you today and let you know there are some things that seminary couldn't and didn't prepare me for. Because part of being a pastor is really sharing moments in life with people. And as you know, there are some moments in life that are joyous. There are some moments in life that it's, it's just a celebration. It's great to be able to share those moments. There are other moments in life, though, that aren't so joyous. There are moments of, of loss and tragedy and heartbreak and pain. And seminary didn't prepare me for those moments. One of the churches I served while I was at seminary, I had only been there about six weeks, and I really respected this pastor because this was typically a seminary church where pastors came while they were in school, and as soon as they got their degree, they moved on to bigger and better things somewhere else. So this church was used to a new pastor like every three and a half years. And he had broken the mold. He had stayed there seven years. When, we, when I arrived, and he stayed three more while I was there. Just an incredible person that I respect very much. And he taught me more about what it meant to be a pastor in those early years, uh, just practically, than seminary ever could. Seminary gave me a lot of knowledge and skills, but he showed me a lot of the practical ways of how to intersect those moments in life. And there's one that stands out to me uh, very specifically. It's, it's something that has stuck with me all these years, because this was a long time ago. I'm older than I look. So uh, I had been at this church about six weeks. I was, I'd been married for about a year. I wasn't even allowed to drive the church van yet, because I wasn't old enough, okay? So I'm a student pastor. I barely know anything. And um, not Dave, I'm not saying that about all student pastors. <laughs> just, just about me. I didn't know anything. And so... He got a call late one night from a family in the church with very tragic news that this lady from the church said, I've just lost my husband a very tragic and and sudden way. Well, he called me because there were some students in the family and he wanted me to go with him to visit the house uh, during the immediate kind of aftermath of them getting this news. Well, I wanted nothing to do with that, just in my human nature. I had never met this family. He said they were part of the church, but I hadn't seen them yet. The kids had never come and done anything with us in the youth group. He said, I I know that, but this is an opportunity for you to connect with them and minister to them and and really be part of this moment where they're going to need support and encouragement. So I didn't feel like I could say no because technically he was my boss. And we went to this house. Well, as you would expect, it was chaos. It was... 
it was a very difficult scene. And we sat down with the family and just let them say and express all the different feelings that they were having, all the different questions that they were having. And something the pastor said in that moment has stuck with me ever since, and it's something I've said myself in the years to come when I found myself again in those kind of moments in people's lives. And that is this. I don't understand why this happened. I don't have any answers for you in this moment. But I know this. God loves you, and God can handle your questions. I don't have any answers, but God can handle your questions, whatever they may be, however difficult they may be. And I think a lot of us agree, and we understand that statement. We would agree. We'd say, yeah, God can handle your questions. That's easy to say to someone else, right? But what if, what if it's you in that moment? What if it's you that's having those difficult questions? And these kind of questions... Um, the kind of questions we trust God with are very telling of what we think God can handle, right? What kind of questions do you trust God with? Derek shares a, has been sharing a quote throughout this series, and that is, what, whatever you think about God is, says a lot about you, right? I just butchered that quote, but you can go back and see what it really <laughs> says. Um, the kind of questions we trust God with are very telling of what we think God can handle. And when I say God can handle your questions, I'm not talking about which restaurant are we going to go to after the service, which car should I buy, or even some of life's bigger questions like who should I marry, where should I live. Those are important questions, and God certainly can and wants to handle those as we walk in our relationship with him. But in today's passage and as we wrap up this series, the questions I'm talking about are the gut-wrenching questions of life. Moments like that night when we were in the living room with that family. Questions that arise from a place of anxious doubt, extreme anger, deep hurt. Questions that maybe you've had yourself. Questions like, God, are you even there anymore? Or, God, if you love me, why is my family falling apart? God, why did you take my loved one away from me so early? Why did we lose another pregnancy? Why did I get that health diagnosis? It's those kind of questions. And as a pastor, I've been with people in the midst of those moments when they've looked me directly in the eye and they've screamed those things. Literally screamed them, wondering why something's happening. And in those horrific Tragic moments, my response is, I don't know the answer to that. But God can handle your questions. Now, the elders have felt really burdened lately as we've been receiving prayer requests, as we've been talking to uh, people in our church. It seems like we're having a lot of these kind of moments in people's lives over the last few months. And so we felt really burdened about the amount of difficulty, hurt, loss, and, and even tragedy we've seen recently in our church. So in, in wrapping up this series today, I felt like God wanted us to tackle what we do in life's most broken moments. So I, I know that it's a family service, and a lot of times we do like a fun little thing for the kids. This isn't very fun. 
but this is a real life thing that we all know and experience. And so I hope that God will speak to you his heart today. We want to offer you some sense of encouragement that you're not alone, no matter the circumstance. And we see this in Psalm 77. So if, if you want to turn there, that's where we're going to be. It's on page 540 in the, the blue Bibles that are there below your seat or under, your, under the seats in front of you. But Psalm 77, it expresses and walks through some of these exact feelings that not only can God handle our questions, his desire is to carry us through these most agonizing moments. And we want to have confidence, despite our circumstances, that the heart of God is centered on his desire for us to know him personally. The heart of God is centered on relationship with you. And so whatever you're facing, his heart never changes. Uh-oh, I just untied my shoe. I think I'm just going to kick that off. Okay. I don't want to trip on that shoelace. <laughs> um, the heart of God is for a relationship with you. Hopefully that doesn't show up on camera. <laughs> but, you know, your natural reaction to pain is to flinch and pull away, right? When you touch something hot, it's, it's best to flinch and pull away. In life, when, some, when we rub up against something that's difficult, when we have a moment that's really hard, when we don't understand something about the brokenness of what life has brought into a, uh, our situation, we tend to flinch. We tend to pull away. But God says, whenever the pain, the difficulty, the tragedy, the doubt, whatever else the world throws at you comes and makes you want to run, God says, lean in. God says, my heart is for a relationship with you. Lean in when everything about you wants to run the other way. Lean in. I know that feels heavy, but it's real life. And scripture gives us an example of how to walk through it in Psalm 77. Let's pray together. God, I just thank you that we have a place to go when we don't know where else to go. God, I thank you that your heart is centered on relationship with us. And God, that knowing you gives us a safe place, even when we don't feel it, even when we don't see it, even when we don't understand it. And God, I know that as we talk about this today, situations are going to come up in people's hearts and minds. Difficulties we've walked through are going to naturally flash before us again. And I just pray that you would bring peace and comfort and encouragement that only you can bring. And God, even if those feelings don't come, that, that people experiencing those today would lean into you because you can handle our questions. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so let's look at Psalm 77, the first four verses. Again, it's on page 540. It says, I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. You hold my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. So, happy times for this psalm writer, right? Let's set the stage here a little bit so we can understand. This psalm is written by Asaph, who's a worship leader during the reign of King David. So he's 
a believer. He's around the things of God. He's part of the worship practices of the temple. He keeps those practices on track for the people of Israel. And there's obviously something wrong, something's going on that is deeply troubling and disturbing Asaph. Right? And these first four verses show us the first response we should have when we're overwhelmed by the brokenness of life. When trouble comes, the first thing we do is seek the Lord. When trouble comes, seek the Lord. And we see in these verses a description of someone that is seeking God with everything he can muster. He's praying. He's crying out to God. But here's the hard part of these verses. He's not finding any comfort. He is not finding any relief. And you're going to say to yourself, well, I thought this was supposed to give me answers. Well, you've got to hang in there and, and go through the whole psalm. But this is another reality that we deal with. He has such a feeling of desperation in these verses. There's some kind of deep and serious problem. We don't know what that problem is, but we can feel the emotion that he has in these words. And that's why psalms like this, that's why scripture like this is so helpful. Because he's expressing his real honest feelings. The real experiences of people related to us through the words of the Bible. And we can all read this. We can think of a time when these words could have been used to express maybe how you or a loved one were feeling. So Asaph is seeking God, his, but his problem, it's not fixing. His problem is not resolving. God doesn't respond in the way he thinks he should. And that seems to only add to his despair. He thinks of God and he moans. Just thinking of God is hurting him more. He's emotionally exhausted. He's hurting. And in the end, he says he can't even sleep or say anything else. I don't know how else to express myself, God. This is really hard. And it's in those kind of moments that some really hard questions can come to our minds. Right? Questions of doubt and anger. Questions we're scared to even let anyone else know we have. Right? The secret questions. Questions we might think somehow disqualify us in our walk with God if we even ask them. And that seems to be what's troubling this man the most. God's lack of response to his situation is causing him to question his faith. That's what difficulties can do to us sometimes. Right? They can push so hard against us that we feel like Everything I've believed can't be right if this is happening to me. So what do we do when we have those kind of questions, those kind of doubts? Well, I would ask you this question, and I've asked this before, but can a faith without doubt really be called faith at all? The act of seeking God and continuing to lean into your relationship with him in the midst of doubt, in the face of anger, beyond the overwhelming hurt, the emotional exhaustion, that's the exercise our faith needs to be strengthened. Right? When you're working out, you're tearing the muscles down so that they build up stronger. When our faith is pummeled by the things of life, it's an opportunity for it to grow, an opportunity for it to be strengthened. And this isn't just my idea. Listen to a couple of passages. First of all, James 1, 2 through 4 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. 
And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. When the trials come, we're joyful because we know that it can produce something positive in our life. It can strengthen our faith, our faith not our face. That would be a little weird. Romans 5, 3 through 5 puts it this way. We rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Again, we rejoice in our sufferings because it can produce something in us. And his list is a little longer in Romans. So two quick things. First of all, we should expect trials... And secondly, the testing of our faith through those trials is an opportunity for growth. They produce something in us. So when trouble comes, seek the Lord, even in the darkest circumstances, even when it leads you to hard questions. Lean into the truth that his heart is centered on a relationship with him. And he can handle your questions. He can handle whatever you're feeling, whatever you're asking, however you're doubting, however you're hurting. Lean into him. Seek the Lord. Secondly, when trouble comes, ask God the hard questions. Don't be afraid to ask him the hard questions. Look again in verses 5 through 9 of our psalm, Psalm 77. Asaph says, I consider the days of old, the years long ago. I said, let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate in my heart. Then my spirit made a diligent search. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? He's asking some hard questions right here. In his deepest moments of despair, Asaph tries a different tactic. He, he starts by thinking about the past, which reminds him of the great things God has done. It sounds like a great thing to do. But it leads him to further wonder why God seems to be absent in this desperate moment in his life. It, it's almost like he's saying, that was great, God, what you did before, but what about now? What about what I need right now? Why aren't you showing up right now? He's actually, he's trying to lean in, but his perspective is just a little bit off. He's focused on himself, even though he's saying, I'm trying to remember the things of God. He's trying to fix it in his own understanding, in his own power. It's such an honest expression. And these questions, they just start pouring out. You know, sometimes thinking about God brings feelings of frustration, discontent, especially when our focus is off, when our focus is on ourself and on our own limited under understanding. These questions pop up about things that have or haven't happened in our lives, and we wish we had answers. And you can hear the conflict in his spirit between acknowledging the greatness of God in the past, and also wondering why are you silent now in the moment. But the important thing I want us to see here is he's directing all of that toward God. He's honestly directing it to God. All the questions, all the misunderstanding, all the hurt. And the crazy, the, not crazy, but the miraculous thing that it begins to do is it begins to change his perspective, because again, God is all about relationship. He wants us to know him. He has revealed himself in Jesus and through scripture. 
And moments like this one in this psalm, I think this is here so that we can find these honest feelings and know how to handle our own frustration and doubt when the brokenness of this world knocks us over, knocks us around a little bit. Because here's, here's the thing. Whatever you are facing, whatever your frustration, whatever your emotion, if God seems silent, understand this. He has probably already spoken. And what do I mean by that? Whatever you're facing, whatever your frustration, whatever your emotion, if he seems silent, understand he's already spoken because he's spoken in Scripture. He's spoken to us through things like this psalm that we're looking at today. He spoke to us through the life of his son. Jesus said, hey, if you want to know what God's like, here I am. Get to know me. He spoke to us through his son, Jesus, and he speaks to us even today through the testimonies of his people. When we hear what God's doing in someone's life, when we hear someone's story, that's why we start the first week of discovery uh, sharing stories. You identify with someone's story. When we hear what God's doing in someone else's story, it's a reminder to us. He speaks to us. He shows us something else about his heart. Maybe he wants you to lean in and find answers that he's already given. You're trying to find a new answer. You want to be the exception? Maybe God's already spoken. So go to him with your questions. But if he seems silent, dig in and see maybe if he's already given an answer. And you'll notice in your Bible, and at the end of verse 9, there's this strange word, kind of in italics, Selah. It's in there a lot if you look. Selah. Why is that there? Well, remember, these are songs. Right? Look at the very first part that I didn't even read. It says, To the choir master, according to Jeduthun, a psalm of Asaph. So these are musical instructions telling them what melody to sing these words to. And Selah is take a breath, take a moment, ponder what you've just sung, think about what this means. So, here in this moment, Asaph's saying, I need to take a breath. I need to take a moment. He's sought God in his distress. He's asked God the hard questions that his emotional desperation have brought out. And in this moment, this breath, this chance to meditate and reflect, he seems to turn a corner. He seems to have kind of a light bulb moment where his focus shifts away from himself and onto God in a different way. So let's read the rest of the psalm and kind of see where it takes us. Verses 10 through 20. Then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. You with your arm redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. When the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth thunder. Your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightnings lighted up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters, yet your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. So here we see the third thing, that when trouble comes, 
we remember God's faithfulness in the past. Now, this is a little tricky because it's what I just said he was trying to do. But remember, his perspective was a little off. We remember God's faithfulness in the past. And the key verse here, this lightning bolt moment, is in verse 10. He says, Then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. He says, You know what? Focusing on myself and my questions and my hurt, it hasn't helped. Seeking God from my own perspective for answers has only led to doubt and frustration. But the act of going to God, the act of asking those questions led him to this moment of truly remembering who God is. And this statement in verse 10 is powerful because we know how much he's doubting. We know how desperate he is. We know that he feels abandoned. We know that he feels like God is silent, but he's trusting him anyway. His faith, which is being tested to the limit, leads him to say, despite all the evidence to the contrary in my life at this moment, I'm going to rest on the faithfulness of God in the past. When he says this, that he's going to appeal to the ears of the right hand, it's a declaration of God's justice. God's history of doing right by his people. And he goes on to list out some of the ways God rescued his people, uh, specifically from slavery in Egypt. That moment that he parted the waters of the Red Sea and his people went across on dry land to escape the, the Egyptian army that was barreling down behind them to destroy them. That's a spiritual marker. It's something that he says, I, I can go back to that. When I saw, when I, he didn't see it, when I know that God moved in the life of his people. That's a spiritual marker. Things that we can look back on in our spiritual our journey. Those moments that we knew God was real. Those moments when he showed up and moved in our life. And so for Asaph, this, this moment was actually several generations before his time. And he's reaching back to those historical times and he's bringing them forward. And I think this is another reminder of parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles. It's why it's so important to share the stories of God's faithfulness with children. It's so important to share the stories of God's faithfulness with our kids and, and with uh, those around us. Why it's so important for people to share their life in the kids' area, so that kids can begin to see these spiritual markers in people's life, so that when they do have the dark times, they have things that are anchors that they can go back to. It's why it's important to memorize and study Scripture, because again, when God seems silent, He might have already spoken, and He can speak into your heart with things that you've meditated on and studied. The Holy Spirit brings it back to mind in the moment that you need it. God's faithfulness to the Jewish people came out of one of the darkest times in their history while they had been subjected to slavery in Egypt. And Asaph right here, he says, Despite my questions, despite my doubt, I lean into the truth of how God's faithfulness has shown itself in the past, even generations before. I might have to look pretty far back because I'm not feeling it right now, but I know God was real when he led the people across the Red Sea. With spiritual markers in our own journey, we can do the same. Which leads us to this last thing, number four, that when trouble comes, we trust in the never-changing heart of God. When trouble comes, we trust in the never-changing heart of God. You know, this entire series, we've looked at different aspects of God's heart in a variety of, of Psalms and Proverbs. But like I've already said today, if we had to sum it up in a simple statement, I think our big idea would be 
of, for today would be a good way to do it, and that is that the heart of God centers around relationship. God wants you to know him. And that's a miraculous thing. It's an incredible privilege. God wants you to know him, to experience his love and forgiveness and redemption and salvation and his correction and his teaching as he helps you to be uh, who you are created to be. God's greatest desire is that we know and experience him. And we have psalms like this one today so that we can understand how much he loves us, how much he wants to walk through life with us. We see his heart revealed over and over as he deals with the Jews in the Old Testament and then even more in the New Testament as he reveals himself through his son, Jesus. God's heart is so much for relationship that he was willing to fulfill his plan for redemption by sending his son to die in my place and in your place so that we could be forgiven and our relationship with him can be right the way that he created it to be. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he wants the best for you. So does God sometimes seem to go silent? He has in my life. Does he sometimes leave mysteries of life unsolved? Absolutely. Are we going to have times where we don't understand the pain that we're experiencing because of the brokenness of sin in our world? Yes, absolutely. But is God offended when we ask him hard questions? No. Is he upset when we bring those feelings of doubt and anger and hurt to him? No, it's exactly where he wants us to go. He wants us to lean in to our relationship with him. So we need to seek God. We need to ask the hard questions. We need to remember his faithfulness in the past. And we need to trust in his never-changing heart, a heart that centers around you and me having a personal relationship with him through his son, Jesus. And I want to just acknowledge something here real quick, and that is that knowing God and having an expectation for eventual relief does not completely resolve any current pain we might experience in life. We're not talking about... uh, some sort of magic that takes away all pain. But we have somewhere to take the pain to. We have someone that wants to walk through the pain with us and carry us when necessary. We have a God that loves us and sent his son for us and wants us to lean into our relationship with him because that's his heart. Pain is a reality. It's a difficulty. Uh, Difficulty is part of our life. But a relationship with God carries and sustains us when we lean into his heart and love for us. When everything in us wants to run the other way, God says, lean in to me. Jesus himself had something to say about kind of how we can get through the storms of life. He wraps up his Sermon on the Mount with these verses in Matthew chapter 7. He just finished teaching one of the greatest uh, expositions that we have in all of scripture from Matthew 5 to 7. If you have the old red letter Bible, it's like all red for several pages because Jesus is just talking. And he says in Matthew 7, 24 to 27, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat against that house, and it fell. 
and great was the fall of it. Notice, both builders experienced the storm. Both builders experienced the storm. You will have storms. The world is broken. Sin has brought death and pain and sickness and all the things that we wish we didn't ever have to deal with. You'll experience those things that don't make sense. But the question really is, what is your life built on? What is your life built on? Is it built on the relationship that God desires for you to have with him? A relationship that can handle hard questions and come out with strengthened faith on the other side for the next dark thing that might come? Or is it built on the sand of your own personal expectations, your ability to understand things on your own? That won't withstand the storm. Knowing God helps us to see through the pain and find the opportunity that he's bringing for growth into our life. And so like Asaph said in our psalm today, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. God can not only handle your questions, he wants to because God's heart centers on relationships. So what do you do in the midst of life's most broken moments? You've heard it a few times today. You lean in. You lean in. And I want to give you three ways that you can lean in. Especially when the pain of life tells you to just do the opposite. When you want to hide, when you want to be by yourself, when you don't want to deal with any people, when you don't want to deal with God, there's three ways that we need to lean in. First of all, lean into your relationship with God in prayer. Now that sounds very churchy. We are in a church, by the way. So that would make sense. But this is more than just a platitude. Lean into your relationship with God in prayer. It's a a miracle that he's given us that we have the opportunity. We don't need anyone else. We don't need a priest. We don't need a go-between. We can speak directly to God because of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. We have the opportunity to talk with God. So when you have the hard questions, you can ask them. You don't need anyone else's help. When you have feelings you want to express, you can express them. You don't need anyone else's help. Lean into your relationship with God in prayer. Express your feelings honestly, whatever they may be. He is there for you. He will never leave you. He will never change. He loves you. And he already knows what you're feeling and thinking anyway. He wants to share it with you. So lean into your relationship with God in prayer. Secondly, lean into your understanding of God through Scripture. He has already spoken. He's revealed himself. Take advantage of what he's offered to you in Scripture. Lean into your understanding of him. When we think God is silent, we need to turn to his word. Knowing his word is part of how he has chosen to build into our relationship with him and teach us his ways. Memorized scripture becomes a spiritual marker that he uses to encourage and direct you. And examples like our psalm today give us hope as we see ourselves in the struggles of God's people in the pages of his word. Asaph wasn't having a good day when he wrote that psalm. And we can, we can connect with that because we have days like that ourselves. So lean into your understanding of God through scripture. And finally... Lean into community with God's people because God didn't intend for us to go through life alone. 
Lean into community with God's people because God didn't intend for us to go through life alone. He's a God of personal relationship with him. But he's also a God of relationship as he adopts us into his family, giving us brothers and sisters to live life with. You understand that's what happens? We are adopted into his family as sons and daughters, which makes us brothers and sisters. So when I grew up in the Baptist church and they called me Brother Paul, that was kind of weird. But it had some meaning behind it. We truly are brothers and sisters in Christ. We need each other. You need others, and we need you. So when questions come, when frustration mounts, when doubt bubbles up, remember that God's heart is for relationship and lean in. He can handle your questions. And our obedient relationship with him is the rock that we can build on that will weather any storm. Let me pray. God, I just thank you for the truth of your heart. That we can see in these pages examples of people that feel and say maybe some things that we don't even think we're supposed to feel and say. God, I thank you for the inspiration you give scripture so that we know it's, it's you speaking to us. And God, I just pray, I know that a message like this Again, it'll bring up some of the things we've walked through in life. Things that are hard to hold ourselves together around. But God, I just pray that today, that people in this room, starting with me, that I would be ready to lean in. That I would lean into you through prayer. That I would lean into my understanding of you through scripture. That I would lean into community with the brothers and sisters you've given me in this place. God, as we respond, as we continue to worship, I pray the words of these songs would really dig into our hearts. Because God, you are faithful. You never change. You can handle our questions and you want us to lean into you. And we thank you so much for your heart for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.